your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, April 15th, 2021. Your boy Q here, motoring through the week as we always do, getting closer and closer to the weekend and more importantly, getting closer and closer to the NFL draft as we are now 14 days, officially two weeks away from the 2021 first round of the NFL Draft live from Cleveland, Ohio. Very excited about that. There's going to be a lot of draft talk. Well, there's been a lot of draft talk, but there's going to be a ton of draft talk in between now and then as everyone anticipates what's going to happen in round one, round two, round three. That's that's my round right there, man. I'm excited about round three. The Raiders have two picks, 79 and 80. Very excited about that. But, of course, four, five, six, and seven. The Raiders right now have eight picks in the upcoming draft. So very excited about what they could potentially do, how they they could potentially make this roster a lot better than it even is at this stage right now. But I uh, got a lot to get to on this show today. Don't know if I'm going to get to everything, but I sure am going to try. Coming up in segment number three, I got your calls and your text straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Got a lot of them to get to, as a matter of fact, so I'm going to try to get through those as quickly as possible. Segment number two, I don't know if you've got a subscription to The Athletic, and uh, I, I do, and I, I really enjoy it, and I was able to get it when it was a really, really cheap kind of a, a subscription, like a dollar uh, a month or something like that. It was like really, really cheap, so I got mine, and I'll tell you, man, it came through like the first of the month on Wednesday, and what I mean by that, Dane Brugler, he's one of the better draft analysts uh, there are out there. He put out a 7 round mock draft that's right seven rounds he put that out it's out on the athletic I think I'm gonna actually have him on my radio show on Friday as well so uh, really gonna be able to pick his brain maybe I'll be able to bring some of that to the table on Monday show but uh, yeah Dane Brugler put out a seven round mock draft so of course I'm not gonna go through the whole thing but I am gonna go through all seven rounds for the Raiders so everyone that he picked for the Raiders I'm gonna go ahead and, and bring it to the table and I'm gonna tell you who that person is some of them he uh, made an explanation on why he picked them and uh, how they fit in with the Raiders others he didn't he was just getting through the draft and so I'm just going to go ahead and uh, give a little bit of a rundown a little bit of a description of each player so very interesting it's not like one that I've seen from pretty much anyone else out there a lot of these drafts are very similar to each other this one is not so I was very intrigued Uh, Dane Brugler's seven round mock draft on the athletic you'll hear about it in segment number two here in segment number one news in the notes of the day as I always do so let's go ahead and hop right to it I do want to tell you before I get into it that uh, today's show is being brought to you by rockauto.com. Great selection, super low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that the Lockdown Raiders podcast sent you. Uh, and I got an update from uh, Obi-Wan Raiders' wife. I'll give that to you uh, probably coming up at the end of this segment right here. But let's go ahead and jump into the news and the notes of the day. On Wednesday, the Raiders had veteran cornerback Lindsey Pipkins. Yeah, you heard me right. Lindsey Pipkins was in for a visit. They were working him out. He's a guy that's been in the league. He's played for the Colts, the Browns, the Packers, the Lions. He hasn't played a game since 2018 where he played three games with the Browns. 27 
2017. He played 12 games with the Packers. He was actually signed in 2017 as an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma State. He has one career pass defense, and he's 27 years old. So, Lenski Pipkins in for a visit, in for a workout on Wednesday with the Raiders. Uh, I don't look a whole lot into that. If they sign him, they sign him. If they don't, they don't. Not a big deal for me. I just feel like they're kicking the tires on a, on a body that at most will probably be just a camp body. So uh, I wouldn't get too much up in arms about that, but definitely wanted to go ahead and pass that along. Now, more importantly, wanted to pass along some information about what the NFL has going on as far as their offseason plans. They sent out a memo to all 32 teams on Wednesday saying the league's offseason program for 2021 will be nine weeks in total length with all portions of it voluntary except for one mandatory minicamp, which will take place in the third phase of the program in a date range between May 24th and June 18th. The NFL Players Association has not agreed to the new plan, but the league holds the right to unilaterally implement the rules as permitted under its collective bargaining agreement with the Players Union. So basically, this is what it's going to be. Uh, the program will begin with a four-week first phase. That's April 19th through May 14th. That is actually starting on Monday. It includes virtual meetings for two hours per day at the club's uh, discretion, prohibits on-field drills or work with coaches, and maintains facility and weight room capacity limits. During this period, teams will make every effort to have the COVID-19 vaccine available for players, staff, and families. Now, that's phase one. The second phase is May 17th through May 21st. It's a little bit different in that the on-field drills will be permitted with coaches per the CBA rules performed at a teaching pace with no contact allowed. All right, that's phase two. The third phase and the final phase of the program will include 10 days of traditional OTAs at full speed, but without contact, in-person or virtual meetings, and will include mandatory minicamp. Rookie minicamps and development programs remain unchanged. So if you remember correctly, on Tuesday and Wednesday, players from four teams, the Broncos, Seahawks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Detroit Lions, all announced that they were going to forego the voluntary offseason workouts due to the ongoing pandemic and concerns regarding their safety. Now, on Wednesday, Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review Journal and Raider Nation Radio 920 uh, put out a tweet concerning the Raiders, and he said, after a day of long series of meetings, Raider players will vote tomorrow on OTA's participation. The goal is to move ahead unified as a group according to a source. So basically, the Raiders should be, the players will be voting today to determine if they're going to actually show up for voluntary minicamp. But I will tell you this, Jalen Richard, running back Jalen Richard, tweeted out, well, Vegas, here I come. So <laughs> there you go. If, uh, if that tells you anything, it sounds like he's released ready to get to work and he's headed to the facility. So it sounds like the Raiders may be participating in it. Uh, like Vinny pointed out the other day, they've already been practicing in the park and, and working out at the facility together anyway. So I don't see why they wouldn't but you never know so they're gonna all vote as a team uh, sometime today and then we'll probably find out and we'll talk about it on Friday's show also wanted to update you on a couple of rosters real quick uh, Jadavion Clowney a guy that had been talked about as a possibility with the Raiders I had said that hey I was out on that uh, I know that uh, Raider Izzy had hit me up and said something about uh, you know maybe possible because he uh, he sets the edge really well well you don't have to worry about that anymore because on Wednesday he signed with the Cleveland Browns one-year deal that's worth up to $10 million, which to me blows my mind. I don't know how a guy who had zero sacks in 2020, a guy who's consistently injured, a guy who never makes it through a full 16 games can keep cashing checks. I mean, he's making money over money. He's like a one-year hired gun per team. I mean, think about this, man. He went from Houston to Seattle to Tennessee. Now he's in Cleveland. He's just getting these, you know, one-year deals. Ever, well, Seattle basically was a one-year deal. They tried to bring him back, and he, he, he didn't go for it. They 
they traded for him originally. And then uh, at the end of the season, he ended up walking. Then Tennessee signs him for a one-year deal. And now Cleveland's signing him for a one-year deal. This dude is like the gift that keeps on giving. He just keeps getting those contracts, even though he basically has made a career out of one hit that he had in college where a guy's helmet popped off because he didn't have his chin strap right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, basically, Jadavion Clowney has lived his whole career off of one big-time hit. He parlayed that into the number one overall pick in the draft the same year that the Raiders got Khalil Mack. And, I mean, he just really has never lived up to the billing at all. And, well, he's still cashing checks. So there you go. Uh, good for him, I guess. But he signed with the Browns. I will say that's probably going to be a nice, nasty duo, though. I mean, he's got Miles Garrett on one side who's going to get all the attention and is a guy who can get sacks and will consistently get sacks. And, well, he'll probably run everybody his way. So Jadavion Clowney will probably pick up some nice stats being a, a bookend to Miles Garrett. And, and that's good. That's smart for Cleveland to go ahead and sign him. But, man, I'll tell you, he's not for everybody. And I'm kind of glad that uh, he's not on the open market anymore. I didn't want the Raiders to sign him. And, sure, not for no contract worth up to $10 million with incentives. Also, one more little note that I thought was cool. Uh, on Wednesday, Alden Smith, former 49er, former Raider, former Cowboy, was visiting with the Seahawks. So I thought that that was pretty cool, man. He didn't play since 2015. He had been out of the league since 2015. Uh, he played last year with the Cowboys, and he had five sacks. He got, like, four immediately. You know, one in the very first game. Then he had a game against Seattle where he had three. He totaled five sacks, 14 quarterback hits, two passes defense, 48 tackles, uh, pro football focus, basically put in with 50 total pressures last season, which was 20 at his position. Uh, good for him, man. Uh, it's good to know that he's uh, healthy. It's good to know that it sounds like he's staying clean and he's uh, he, he was visiting the Seahawks. They were a team that actually was interested in training for him during the 2020 season, and the Cowboys wanted to hold on to him, but then they uh, you know they didn't bring him back this offseason, so it looks like now he might end up landing in Seattle, or, well, that might just be his first visit. He might end up somewhere else, but it was, it's good to see that Alden Smith is out there uh, doing the best he can. It sounds like he's got his life together. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. In segment number two, we're going to go through Dane Brugler's seven-round mock draft for the Raiders. All the Raiders picks, all eight of the Raiders picks, we're going to break them down. We're going to talk about them. That's coming up next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving customers online for over 20 years. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything. I mean, engine parts. Parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, they got it. doesn't matter if your car is one you drive every single day. It's a classic ride. does not matter. Everything you need is a few easy clicks away, and it's delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. You quickly can see all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brand, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. That's right. The prices at RockAuto.com are super low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So there's no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to RockAuto.com right now. Check out the parts available for your car or truck and while you're there there's a box that said how'd you hear about us right locked on Raiders podcast that's how they know that I sent you great selection super low prices all the parts your car is ever going to need is at rockauto.com segment number two it's on the way your locked on Raiders your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Going to jump into Dane Brugler's seven-round mock draft for the Raiders. You can find this on The Athletic. If you do not have The Athletic, I am not paid to say this, but if you have, do not have The Athletic, I encourage you to go get it because it's really, really good. The app's right there on your phone, and boom, you could just go ahead and scroll through something. Maybe you're sitting around about to get your hair cut or something. You want to read something. That's, I do that a lot at the barbershop. I ain't going to lie. But anyway, just go ahead and check it out, man. The Athletic, they got some really good stuff, including 
including Dane Brugler's seven-round mock draft. And this all has to do with the Raiders. Uh, he did it for every team. But, I mean, this I'm just going to bring to you uh, what he has for the Raiders. Before we get into that, though, I do want to remind you to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today, the podcast. Peter Bukowski does a great job. He updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help, of course, of the local experts. Follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Again, Locked On Today with Peter Bukowski does a really, really good job. Now, let's go ahead and jump into Dane Brugler's seventh-round mock draft as far as the Raiders go. Now, of course, everyone pays attention to the first round, the second round, maybe even the third round, but... Never really goes seven rounds. I mean, I was talking about Chad Reader on Wednesday. And I was like, man, he went four rounds. I think that's awesome. Well, Dane Brugler said, I'll one-up you. I'll do all seven rounds. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. The first round, there's a lot of questions. Do you go offensive tackle? Do you go safety? Do you go best player available? Do you go Micah Parsons, Jeremiah Wusukormo? What do you do? Well, Dane Brugler at 17 for the Raiders pick Christian Derisaw. Offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. He said a playmaking linebacker, Micah Parsons or Jeremiah Wusukormoa, or a defensive lineman, Christian Barmore, would make sense, but Derisaw would help fill that sizable void left by the departure of right tackle Trent Brown. And if we all remember, I picked Christian Derisaw in the Locked On NFL mock draft that we did, and I did it because of, well, everything that Dane Brugler just said right there. But I also later kicked myself thinking, man, one of those playmakers, actually all three of those playmakers that he mentions right there, were available when I picked, and I should have gone with one, but Derisaw just sounds like, I mean, if you're going to go with a safe pick, he sounds like a very, very safe pick. Kick him over to the right side. Uh, again, a guy that didn't allow any sacks in 2020, and uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. Now, uh, it was brought to my attention that uh, Leon Eichenberg from, uh, from Notre Dame, the, the tackle from Notre Dame, he also did not allow any sacks in 2020 or 2019. Like the last two years, he hasn't allowed any sacks. So I was not aware of that. But either way you look at it, he has Christian Derisaw there at number 17 for the Raiders. Now, here's where he gets a little bit creative because most drafts that I've been looking at, most mock drafts, if they have offensive tackle off the board at 17, then they follow up with a safety at 48. But Dane Brugler does not do that on his mock draft that you can find in The Athletic. He has defensive tackle Levi Onwuzrike from uh, Washington. Onwuzrike. Yeah, I gotta, I'm going to have to practice that one if the Raiders do draft him. Levi Onwuzrike uh, at number 48 overall, the defensive tackle. Now, uh, the report on him, the analysis, the breakdown on him, good and bad, uh, one of the most explosive defensive Defensive tackles in the country can fly off the line. On Wizarike, never put it all together at Washington, but he can be a quality penetrating three technique in the NFL. Pop behind his hands. When everything fires in unison, he's tough to handle. Not much fat on this frame. Rocked up for a defensive tackle. Uh, then it says uh, some negatives. Often played out of position at nose tackle, yet still graded out well. Late to react, play after play. Dominant reps come too few and far between. One hitter as a pass rusher doesn't combo into a second move if his first one stalls. Still needs to pack on mass. Pigeonholed into three technique at current size. Production stalled as a full-time starter, and then he opted out of the 2020 season. So uh, never got to see him again. A lot of folks wanted to see him in 2020 to see if he could start to put everything together. So he has some negatives, and then he didn't actually participate in 2020. Now he's been out of football since 2019, but Dane Brugler thinks that that's a good pick for the Raiders there at 48, a defensive tackle. And remember, the defensive tackle class is very, very thin. So a guy like that uh, probably should be a third-round pick is going to be you know elevated to the second round because of lack of talent in the draft period. 
Moving on to round three. Remember, the Raiders have two picks in round three, number 79 and 80. At 79, he has the Raiders take his safety, Andre Sisco out of Syracuse. And I know a lot of Raiders fans uh, probably just clapped their hands or gave him a round of applause because a lot of fans are in on Andre Sisco. I'm not as hot on Sisco as a lot of others, but it's not about me. Brugler says, Blazer covers ground with ease on the back end. Unparalleled range in the class. If a good coach really gets in Sisco's ear, he could be among the elite safeties in the league. That's the type of tools he possesses. Pro Football Focus gave him a projection of a second-round pick. They called him an uber playmaker mentality. 26 picks plus pass breakups in 24 career games. Ideal size for the position, versatile body type for a modern NFL safety. Put in some no-win situations schematically in Syracuse's defense that made the numbers look a lot worse. Roller coaster with his reads. will take any bait you leave him. That's not good. Angles and tackling problems have been an issue throughout his career. Far less physical in the box than he could be with his size and explosiveness. And then he tore an ACL a few games into 2020. And that was the unfortunate part. That's what I've been talking about a few times with him. He is coming off an injury, a torn ACL. So who knows uh, exactly when he'll be ready or available. But uh, in the third round, 79 overall, Dane Brugler thinks that's a good pick for the Raiders. Then they have the next pick, number 80 overall. They addressed the linebacking position, according to Dane Brugler. Baron Browning from Ohio State. Analysis on him, elite size and speed combination for the position. How you'd put together a linebacker. He's got the closest physical skill set in the class to Micah Parsons, but how much farther can he improve his football acumen? Pro Football Focus has him projected to be a fourth-round pick. Wrecking ball as a tackler, don't want to see him coming downhill. Took a massive step forward in terms of play speed in 2020. Wins one-on-ones with offensive tackles. Could be an edge project. Has struggled when asked to make traditional linebacker reads in the past. Still very much a reactionary player. Not much anticipation on tape. Looked best when playing overhang role this year. So that's according to Pro Football Focus on linebacker Baron Browning from Ohio State. And he's a guy that I'm very familiar with. Uh, you know, he was a guy that that is from the state of Texas. And so I, I got to see him uh, quite a bit. And I know that there was a lot of hype out of him coming out of high school, going into Ohio State, going to college. And I mean, at times he's been a big time playmaker. Other times he hasn't. So again, they projected him to be a fourth round pick. But according to Dane Brugler, the Raiders take him in round three uh, with their 80th overall pick. Next up for the Raiders is pick 121. That's the fourth round. Dane Brugler goes with cornerback Keith Taylor out of Washington. So another Washington guy. If you remember, he picked uh, Levi Onwuzurike earlier, the defensive tackle out of Washington. Now he doubles down and goes with cornerback Keith Taylor in the fourth round. Uh, and Pro Football Focus says, a physical man-to-man corner, Taylor will enter the NFL with no interceptions in his career, but is not indicative of his play on the field. A reliable, smart, and consistent performer for the Huskies, Taylor seemed destined for a bust-out season in 2020, but... The Pac-12 season prevented that from happening. A reactive athletic man in coverage. Taylor does a great job with his hip transition, which allows him to stay with many receivers. He does a great job pressing receivers and make them uncomfortable as soon as the play starts. There's also no doubting his football intelligence as he just understands how to play the position. His ability to anticipate and diagnose a receiver's route and man coverage is excellent. While Taylor has solid ball skills, especially in the passes defended category, he doesn't finish plays in terms of interceptions. Unfortunately, not having an interception in his career is a major red flag. Taylor has had opportunities with numerous passes is bouncing off his hands. As an NFL corner, finishing plays is one of the most critical traits a player needs to possess. A leader who has the experience to be a solid cornerback prospect, Taylor projects to ascend as he begins to receive NFL coaching in the near future. So that's what Pro Football Focus had to say about cornerback Keith Taylor out of Washington. And everything sounds great about Taylor except for the finishing the play part of it. Not coming up with the interception. The Raiders have too many guys that 
Come up with nice plays, but don't finish it and don't come up with the interception. The Raiders need to start getting guys that create more turnovers. They need guys that can become ball hawks. They need to get guys that can put their hands on the ball and hold on to them and get the ball back for the offense. That's something that the Raiders have really, really been lacking. So all the traits in quarterback Keith Taylor sound really, really good, except for not being able to create turnovers. So uh, we'll see. In the fourth round pick, maybe he's worth the gamble, but Dane Brugler has him going to the Raiders at number 121. Next up, fifth round, pick 162. Finally goes with a wide receiver, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. This is a 6'1 and a quarter guy, weight 210 pounds. Uh, the positives on Palmer, nice size wideout with reliable hands, sells routes, knows where he is on the field, and uses the sidelines well. Tracks the pass in the air and extends his hands, snatching the ball away from his frame. Displays solid eye-hand coordination, plays with excellent body control, and keeps his focus as well as his concentration. Comes back to the ball out of break, stays low on exit, and offers the quarterback a big target. Sounds really good. That all sounds very good. Again, those are the positives on Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, uh, the fifth round pick. Now, the negatives? Possesses minimal quickness and shows no real burst in his game. Cannot run to the deep throw. Occasionally does a bit of a double catching. Uh, some negatives right there, but then again, remember, he's a fifth round pick. And the final breakdown, Palmer's a nice-sized receiver with a solid game. Struggled primarily due to poor quarterback play at Tennessee. He displayed a lot of skill during senior bowl practices and is a day three selection who can make a roster as a fourth receiver. So uh, depth, he could be a depth piece. You know, he could be a guy that the Raiders look at, bring into camp, and maybe he fights for a spot and maybe he makes it. Maybe he makes a practice squad and they feel like they could develop him. So that's what kind of guy that sounds like. That sounds like a developmental wide receiver in the fifth round with Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. Just got two more picks, number 167 and number 200. 167 is in round six. Edge, Shaka Tony from Penn State. Uh, right up on him, has a number of complimentary rush moves, well-seasoned pass rusher. Tony is a true tweener. Not many are going to want him full-time off the edge at his size. Uses length well, consistently wins the first contact game. Four straight seasons of above-average grading as a pass rusher. Very undersized, under 240 pounds at the Senior Bowl. Struggles playing through contact. Not near the weapon in slants and stunts you'd like at his size. One-trick edge winner, not many bull rushes or counters on his tape. Lacking speed and agility. Again, you're talking about a six-round pick. You're talking about Shaka Tony out of Penn State, number 167 overall. He's a guy that sounds like, okay, he could be a project, similar to what uh, the Raiders thought Max Crosby was going to be when they drafted him. You know, they had to get him in the weight room. They said, you got to get in the weight room. You got to get bigger. You got to get stronger. You got to get more uh, tools on your tool belt. I mean, that sounds like the kind of guy this would be another one of those dudes that I think you get into camp and you see what you got, see if you got anything. Maybe he's a guy who sticks around. Maybe he's a guy who sticks on the practice squad, but young talent, you just try to figure it out. Again, you're filling out a 90-man roster, not a 53-man roster. And then the final pick for the Raiders, round seven, number 200 overall, defensive tackle to Daryl Slayton out of Florida. Uh, the write-up on him says the NFL is filled with many nose tackles, but few will compare in size to Slayton. He fills out his frame well, has a solid first step for a nose tackle, which allows him to win one-on-one -on -one situations against interior offensive linemen. He possesses violent hands that make it difficult for offensive linemen to get inside his shoulders. The flash plays are what makes Slayton so interesting. He isn't a run stopper, but rather a player who can get after the quarterback in short stints. The main concern with Slayton revolves around winning the leverage battle. He has a tendency to stand straight up once the ball snaps, which causes him to lose ground and be taken out of the play. Offensive linemen are able to push him around in the run game, and he's unable to occupy gaps effectively. A nose tackle's main job is to close gaps, but he simply doesn't do that well enough to warrant consideration in the NFL. Slayton will be a project at the next level, to say the least, but there is some upside, which is why teams running a 3-4 scheme may take a look at him as a developmental player via a rookie tryout. So with all that being said, Dane Brugler has him going 
Number two hundred overall, Raiders picking him in the seventh round, even though the write-up on him basically says he's a 3-4 guy that will probably be an undrafted free agent and maybe get a rookie tryout. So uh, I don't think that that's a guy that, that uh, the Raiders should be too high on, but sounds like with his size and his natural athleticism, he's a guy that Dane Brugler believes uh, would be good for the Raiders, and they would like him just because of his athleticism and his size, and, and maybe they could find something with him. But he sounds like a guy that if the Raiders were to draft him in the seventh round, he'd be one of the first cuts when they cut the rosters down. I think you would not be surprised to see Slayton uh, cut from the Raiders. But anyway, uh, Dan Brugler has him going number 200 overall to the silver and black. So that's the full meal deal right there. All seven rounds, according to Dane Brugler in the athletic. And I mean, I encourage you to go check out the whole thing because he did the whole draft. I mean, he didn't do just, just the Raiders. He did the whole meal deal. I thought that, that was really, really cool that, I mean, he put in that kind of work in it. So uh, hopefully you enjoy it. So go ahead and give it a, a check out. If you forgot who they were, let me go over the picks really, really quickly. As we wrap up segment number two of today's locked on Raiders podcast round one at number 17, Chris, Darisaw, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. Uh, round two, number 48 overall, Levi Onwuzarike, defensive tackle, Washington. I'll get that name right eventually. Number three, round three, pick 79, Andre Sisco, free safety out of Syracuse. Also round three, pick 80, Baron Browning, linebacker out of Ohio State. Fourth round, 121, Keith Taylor, cornerback out of Washington. Fifth round, 162, Josh Palmer, wide receiver, Tennessee. Fifth round, 167, Shaka Tony, Edge, Penn State. And then sixth round, 200, to Daryl Slayton, the defensive tackle out of Florida. So actually, I had said uh, sixth and seventh round. It's actually two fifth rounds and a sixth. So my apologies. But there you go. You can go ahead and check it out for yourself. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts. All you got to do is go open up a free account today, and you can get in all the action. And I'm talking about uh, NBA. I'm talking about Major League Baseball. I'm talking about Hockey, I'm talking UFC, any kind of sport, betonline.ag has got you covered. Again, your online sportsbook experts, you open up a free account today, use that promo code locked on, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus just like that. Uh, so if you put $200 in, you'll get an extra 100 on top of it if you use the promo code locked on. Again, betonline.ag, online sportsbook experts. If you're on social media, check them out at betonline underscore ag. And uh, it's just simple as that. Take advantage of all the best bonuses in the business. Betonline.ag. Got to go and check it out right now. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That is the number. Got a lot to get to. Before we do, though, I want to remind you, April 19th through the 26th, make sure you listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 featuring NFL analysts, experts, Michael Irvin, Jason LaConfora, Brian Baldinger, all local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's taking over for Radio.com. That's the new app, so check it out. Download it today, and you can get all the Locked On podcasts you want, including this one, the Locked On Raiders podcast. Now, Let's go ahead and jump into uh, calls and texts. First up is a text from Raider Frodo. 
Pretty lengthy one. What up, Q? Raider Frodo here, checking in from the Shire. Been doing some thinking, and I agree with you. The Raiders should be very aggressive in the draft. I say draft best player available at 17, then be aggressive and get back into the first and draft a tackle. Sure, it's a deep class, but doesn't mean that they're all the same. Get a stud at right tackle, and they'll be set on the O-line. I just don't trust Gruden in the draft. I wish Mayock would draft who he wants, but he won't. Our saving grace is Gus Bradley. Dude can find talent all over the draft. I believe the Raiders could wait until the second, third, maybe even fourth round for a safety. Don't have that luxury for drafting offensive tackles late. There's a huge drop-off in quality. Imagine getting Jeremiah, Wusu, Koromoa, and Jenkins in the first. All of the nation would get amped. We need alphas. That alpha mentality starts from the top. Davis, Mayock, Gruden, it's time to act like one. The time is now. No more waiting. Commitment to excellence is now. Let's go, baby. Plus, a quick side note on Mo Hirsch. He said he hadn't really improved. 2018 season, four sacks, 70.1 PFF grade. 2019, four sacks, 73.1 PFF grade. 2020, one sack, 77.9 PFF grade. Not the end-all, be-all, but he's getting better every season. He's becoming the Rodney Dangerfield for the Raiders. No respect. Uh, so thank you so much for that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, getting aggressive in the draft, if they can do it and they can figure out how to get the right players, I would have no problem with that. We talked about that quite a bit. Now, as far as Mo Hurst goes, I know pro football focus numbers uh, are, are, you know, they are what they are. Some some of them, you you know, you rely on. Some of them, you really don't. But in reality, Mo Hurst had four sacks his rookie year, three and a half in 2019, and a half sack in 2020. So he's not really getting better. He does give a lot of effort, but he just doesn't have enough uh, big plays. He doesn't have enough of the bigger plays, as far as I'm concerned, to really think that he's a difference maker. But I, I get what you're saying. I mean, he's he's kind of hovering around the same area. He's not really improving. He's not really taking a drastic step backwards either. So thank you so much for that text. Appreciate you. Next up, got a quick call from Sean Mann from the Quad Cities. He's calling to talk about the draft and talks about the pick I made at 17 in tackle Christian Derisaw out of Virginia Tech. Here he is, Sean Mann from Quad Cities. Hey, this is Sean Mann from Quad Cities. I'm um, just calling, uh, talking about the draft and talking about who we made drafts and stuff like that. But um, I think Parsons would be a great pick if we could get him. Um, I do like the pick we made with the offensive tackle. But the thing is, is, you know, he – Play, he would have to move over to the other side, wouldn't he? And you remember Colton Miller's rookie year, he struggled moving over to that other side, and he was hurt. So I don't know if that would be smart. Maybe, you know, you keep Colton Miller on the left side, and then whoever we draft, you know, maybe develop them on the right side, or maybe even look for a right side guard or, you know, um, right tackle. But um, that's about all. I hope everybody's doing well. Sean Man out. Thank you so much for the call. And yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Switching him over to the right side, he could struggle. That might lean towards Tevin Jenkins. They might say, hey, Tevin Jenkins is a safer pick because he's a true right tackle, and you could just slide him in. But, I mean, you know, who, who knows? I think that Darisol is really, really good, and if he's talented enough, I think he'll probably be able to transition over to the right side. No problem. But you never know. Like I said, Jenkins might be the better pick uh, when it's all said and done. And I think we all can agree that uh, Parsons would be a great pick if he's available. He was in my uh, locked-on mock draft, and I, I failed to pick him. So that was that was my fault. Uh, next up is a text from Canadian Raider. Hey, Q, Canadian Raider here. A couple things. First, just want to thank you for everything you're doing, all the hard work you're putting into this pod. We can't keep telling you enough how much it's appreciated. Second, my thoughts on getting aggressive in the draft would actually be to stay at 17, then trade back into the end of the first round, mid-20s. Not sure how accurate it is, but on Pro Football Focus, I was actually able to trade our two third-round picks and a 2022 fifth-round pick from the Patriots for one of those spots. I then stayed in the second round and the tail end of the third round. I traded both of our fifth-round picks to choose again in there. End of the day, we had two ones, a two, a three, four, six, and a seven. 
Thoughts? Do you think those trades are doable? If Parsons is in there at 17, take the best player available. You can use your next pick and your second-round pick to grab Koromoa or a lineman. I really feel like all these early picks really give us a lot of flexibility to adapt to draft boards as they fall. That is from Canadian Raider. Thank you for that text. And, you know, that's the biggest thing. I mean, it doesn't really matter how much moving and shaking you, you do. Having those two in the third round, the second round pick and the, and the one, uh, you can do a lot of moving and shaking if you want to. You have a lot of flexibility. Having the eight draft picks, I mean, because you're not going to go to camp with all eight of those guys. Or if you do, they're not all going to make it out of camp, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think the Raiders have opportunity to make some moves. I think Mayock and Gruden will do a little bit of trading back, trading up. They'll, they'll, they'll move around. I mean, it's not like they're going to go the whole draft without moving around. Uh, but I think the most important thing is, man, you got to get some difference makers in this draft. You got to really be closer to the 2019 draft than you were the 2020 draft. And I know that 2020 draft, they still got time to prove themselves, but you saw instant success from a bunch of those guys in the 2019 draft. You've got to hit, have a draft like that again, in my opinion. Thank you so much for that text. Next up, got a call from Chuck out of Austin, Texas. He's calling to talk about players that were available when the Raiders selected guys like Lee Furl and Jonathan Abram and the fact that he's hoping that does not happen again. Here he is, Chuck out of Austin. Hugh, what's up, buddy? This is Chuck out here in Austin giving you another call. Uh, I appreciate you uh, going over all the uh, draft picks, Abrams, Farrell, they have to show up. But this also comes down to John Groot and the picks that they're making. Um, for example, with Farrell, I thought there were better players on the board at number four and especially that linebacker, and I want to say if it was either uh, Devin White or there was a linebacker that I want, and he just doesn't take those guys, and I just don't get it. They fall in love with certain players, and they take them, and he's done that for the last couple of years. I'm hoping that doesn't happen again this year because, like you, I want one of these defensive players. I want one of these guys, Parsons, the kid from Notre Dame, one of these guys that can be up and can be like that rover that we need back there. And, uh, you know, with Abram, he's got to be in the box. He's not disciplined enough to play deep. So with him and Joseph in there, I like the pickup of Joseph uh, just for the fact that he's for depth, number one. But Joseph's a baller. I mean, they shouldn't have drafted him anyway in the first round. He came out with a blown-out knee. I mean, he was a second-rounder at best in that draft, and that's what – Kills me with the front office with the Raiders. Drives me crazy. You know, it's all decision-making up top when you sit there and talk about When you talked about these guys that are going to be held accountable this time, this is what you're referring to. It's about who's drafting them. Don't overthink it. And that's what the Raiders seem to do in their front office. All right, buddy. Keep up the great work. I really appreciate that podcast. See ya. There he goes. That's Chuck out of Austin, and I appreciate the call. And, yeah, man, in 2019, I wanted Quinton Williams. Well, the Jets took him at number three. So then I was like, man, Devin White, Devin White, linebacker at LSU. Well, Tampa Bay took him at five. And everybody said, you can't take a, t- a linebacker that early in the draft. And I'm thinking, man, come on. Because I actually, in our locked-on mock draft, I actually picked him at number four. And a lot of people told me, man, they got on me tough, got on my helmet and said, hey, man, you cannot take a linebacker at number four. Well, Devin White turned out to be pretty stinking good, and you see what he did in Tampa Bay and, well, helped Tampa Bay win that Super Bowl this past year. I would have loved to seen Devin White in the silver and black, and I know Paul Gunther was the defensive coordinator, and, you know, he might not have used him correctly or might not have got the most out of him, but, man, Devin White's a player, and uh, he's a leader. He's an alpha dog. He's everything that the Raiders need. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I was at. Um, sometimes it does feel like the Raiders overthink it and try to, like, outsmart the rest of the league. I mean, just go get – 
go, just go get the guy. You know, keep it simple sometimes. But a lot of times they do seem like they just kind of overthink things. Thank you so much for that call, man. Definitely appreciate you. Thanks for the, uh, you know, the love on the podcast as well. Uh, final one for today, a text from Eastern Shore Raider. It says, hey, Q, it's Eastern Shore Raider. Loving the podcast as always. I agree that Littleton and Abram are at make or break guys this year. If I had to choose a third, maybe Ruggs. As far as Klee goes, one, I think too many people focus on stats. A lot of guys get double teamed and won't get so many sacks, but have a great effect on the game. I think the guy who wrote that article has not watched much of Klee in action. Klee, in my mind, is a strong D lineman that holds his place and pushes the line back. I'm not a football guru, but it seems to me nobody gets around the corner in the run game with him over there. Look at the team performance after he got hurt last year. Of course, I would love him to grab an impressive number of sacks for the headlines, but I think he provides a great value to the team, even without a high number of sacks. That's from Eastern Shore Raider. And I'll tell you, everything you just said about Klee Farrell is spot on. Uh, he sets the edge really, really well. And when he wasn't in there, you saw multiple running backs get to the outside and just pick up mad yards against the Raiders. I mean, that defense couldn't stop me from running on the outside. I mean, they, they just could not set the edge when Clee wasn't there. Uh, problem is, Clee's not there enough. You know, he misses games. And, I mean, when you're the number four overall pick, you're going to get judged by more than just setting the edge and being good in the run game. You're going to get judged by sacks as well. But I agree, he's a, he's a really good defensive lineman, and I think he's only going to get better. Question is, how can he stay on the field for more games? That's that's my thing. And as far as rugs, I wouldn't put him in there already. I mean, he's just going into year two. Clearly, he wasn't on the same page with Carr or Gruden. They all need to get in, the, uh, in a room and a huddle and figure out how to all be on the same page. He's out there working working in Las Vegas right now in the parks, you know, with uh, Derek Carr. So at least it shows that he's trying to at least develop some kind of chemistry with Derek Carr. So maybe Carr will trust him in year two. Hopefully he does because you don't draft a guy like that with that kind of speed and playmaking ability if you're not going to use it. So uh, thank you so much for that text. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, Still got a call from Sir Dark Hole in Oakland, a text from Raider 760, Nico in North Jersey, text from Raider G. I got all that coming up on tomorrow's show, as well as my conversation I had with Marquette King, former Raiders punter. Uh, He's going to join the show, or he joined the show earlier this week, but I'm going to bring it to you on tomorrow's show as we end the week really, really strong. So we'll have all those uh, texts for sure, texts and calls, and then we'll have the interview with Marquette King. So definitely look forward to that on tomorrow's show. Until then, Raider Nation. Oh, damn it. Hold on. I forgot to tell you the update from Obi-Wan Raider's wife. Let me give you that real quick. All right, here's the update from Obi-Wan Raider's wife, uh, Mr. Mrs. Jordan 2 on Twitter. She says, hey Q, I know it's been a few days since the last I sent you an update, and I'm sorry, Obi's been doing amazing. Today I came in his room and he was sitting in a chair. He seen me and gave me a big smile. I told him, are you happy to see me? And he shook his head yes and mouthed the words, I love you. My heart literally melted, and I smiled and told him I love him too. Obi sat in the chair for a little over an hour. He moved his arms, squeezed my hand, moved his legs, and kept moving his head looking around. He was able to let me know he was in pain, so I let the nurse know. About five minutes after getting pain medication, he fell asleep. Obi is back in bed, still sleeping. He's probably exhausted, but I'm so very thankful to God and the continued love and prayers everyone's sending. So a lot of good stuff right there. That was a really encouraging uh, tweet or a little message that uh, Obi-Wan Raiders wife sent me, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jordan 2 on Twitter, if you want to send her a message or you know shoot her some prayers over to her. It sounds like Obi-Wan Raider is really fighting and, and doing better, doing a lot better. So uh, that's great, man. Uh, prayers are always answered. So the more prayers, the better, right? So uh, there you go. That's, that's the update I want to give you before we wrapped up the show. So uh, that's it till tomorrow. Raider Nation, uh, stay safe, wash your hands, wear your mask, social distance, do what you got to do, take care of the family, and most importantly, as always, just win, baby.